The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. I'm taking you through the first hour on this Sunday night. It's the 7th day of March, 2021. Our engineer, Brian Graves, is with us right across the way. We have got a great show lined up for you tonight, as always. In fact, it's a gold medal show tonight. Up first... We'll talk to a member of the gold medal hockey team from 2018. Jocelyn Lamoureux will join us. And in the second half, we'll welcome in another Olympic champion, 1980 Miracle on Ice member and former New York Ranger, Dave Silk, will speak with us. So just sit back, relax, get comfortable, enjoy the show tonight on GBB. we got some great people with some great stories coming up. And social media, as always, before we begin, follow us on our Facebook page. It's cleverly titled WGBB Sports Talk New York. You'll find so much information there, sports, show information, and more. So stop by, give us a look, give us a like, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. And you can also follow us on LinkedIn and on Twitter. It's at WGBB Sports Talk. You can follow me on Twitter at B Donahue, WGBB. And if you miss a show, don't worry, because they're all cataloged out on the website, and you can catch up at your leisure anytime you want. Well, our first guest scored the game-winning shootout goal to win the gold medal for Team USA at the 2018 Winter Olympics against Canada after her twin sister, tied the game at the end of regulation. Now, she also won silver medals for the U.S. Women's National Hockey Team in 2010 and 2014. She played one season of NCAA hockey for the Golden Gophers of the University of Minnesota and three at the University of North Dakota. Um, Competed for a year with the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. We'll talk more about that. And... uh, that that league really was pushing for equality and equity in the sport. She retired from playing in 2021. She and her sister Monique have a new book out. It's called Dare to Make History, Chasing a Dream and Fighting for Equity. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show tonight Jocelyn Lamoureux-Davidson. Jocelyn, good evening. Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries. It's great to have you with us. Now, you grew up out in North Dakota. Who were your favorite teams and favorite players back then? Well, we didn't really have a professional team that was super close. Like the Wild didn't come in until I was about 12 or 13. The, right. the Jets hadn't moved to town. Uh, Winnipeg is just two hours north of us. Um, wasn't the they weren't there until i think i was in high school so we really were just big fans of the university of north dakota fighting too growing Mm -hmm. up but it was kind of our hometown team um and i guess growing up like we looked up to 
to Angela Rogero and Cami Granado, but we didn't really get to see them play because you can only watch women's hockey pretty much during the Olympics, and that was it. Um, But we loved watching our brothers play growing up and uh, really looked up to to them as role models. Let's talk a little bit about the family, a very athletic family, a very hockey-centric family. Your father was a goalie at the University of North Dakota, correct? Yep. Yeah, he won two national championships there. Great. That's amazing. Now, besides Monique, your twin sister, you have four brothers. Those guys played hockey as well. Yep, they all played at a high level. So our oldest brother, he's actually still playing in Europe. He's strung together. Like I think he's got almost 12 years of professional hockey now. Um, our The next brother, Jacques, played at the Air Force Academy. He was an All-American. Uh, our bro- one of our brothers played major juniors up in Canada. And then our brother, Mario, um, just wrapped up his season in Germany uh, just this week. So a couple are still playing, um, but, yeah, they they all played and excelled at a very high level. And your mom uh, ran the Boston Marathon. Yeah, she ran it five times, actually. Wow. She didn't <laughs> start running until until after she had six kids, and she ended up running, like, 25 marathons. So it was pretty crazy. Wow, yeah, <laughs> what a great story that is. Now, it's it's probably a stupid question, but how did you, you guys, you and Monique, start playing hockey? Well, our parents really just put us into everything that our brothers were in. So whatever they played, we played. If there wasn't a girls team to play on, they just signed us up for the boys team. And so we played a ton of different sports growing up. And when there wasn't a girls team for us to to play on for for hockey, they just signed us up on the boys team. And so we just grew up playing with boys up until we went to high school was our first year playing with girls. But um, we just followed our brothers around. We would – Sometimes uh, their coaches will let us go practice with them because we were they would need extra extra bodies for practice, and we were some of the best players for our age group. So we'd get to practice with kids that were older than us, and so we just grew up playing on boys' teams and um, and followed our brothers around and just loved the game. And it's North Dakota, so we got lots of lots of outdoor ice here. Oh sure, yeah. Now, together you guys played on a on a boys team. I think it was in two thousand one oh two, the Wheat Kings. You were twelve years old, and you went uh, to the North Dakota State Hockey Championship. Yep, uh, we we competed every year for for a state championship. We won. I honestly can't remember the years now, but uh, but yeah, we won. We won one state championship, a runner up, and, and two other ones. But yeah, we competed with and against the the best kids in the state growing up. And you also attended the same school that Sidney Crosby played for. Yeah, we went ended up going to a boarding school in high school at uh, Shattuck St. Mary's in Faribault, Minnesota. Um, and before my sister and I had gone there, they had never won a national championship before for, for the girls' teams. And so along with my sister and I and a couple other key recruits, uh, we ended up winning three national championships in our four years at Shattuck, and we ended up playing with other other national team players like Amanda Kessel and Brianna Decker during our time there. And they later became your teammates. Yep, on the national team. Mm -hmm. Now, as I said in the opening, Jocelyn, you went to the University of Minnesota, uh, but then you you transferred to the University of North Dakota. Was that a geographical move, or was there another impetus uh, for that jump? 
Um, I think it was more, we were asked um, by a family friend what would mean more, a national championship at Minnesota or, or at North Dakota. And we, my sister and I looked at each other and we just kind of said, well, North Dakota for sure. And so it really just made us evaluate um, where we were at and where we wanted to be. And we knew that if we went to North Dakota, who was at the time one of the worst teams in the country, um, so we were going from one of the top teams in the country to one of the worst teams in the country. Uh-huh. Um, but we knew we knew one of the coaches going in was Peter Elander, who had coached Sweden for two Olympics. And we just believed that it was going to be a great uh, development opportunity where we had to show up every night and be our best or our team wasn't going to win. Um, and then our coaches were able to recruit some other, other top, uh, other top recruits, um, in our second and third year. And so we, we went from being one of the worst teams in the country to making an NCAA tournament two years in a row. And, um, and yeah, it, we loved our time at North Dakota and ended up just being a really good, uh, a fit and a good, I think growing opportunity to have to be on all the time uh, when you're when you're playing games. Sure, definitely. Now, uh, Team USA in in non Olympic play, you you guys really uh, made headway not only on the ice but off. Uh, I was looking at in the book. You took on the governing body of USA hockey. You guys threatened to boycott the 17 world championships and you really jeopardize your shot at the 2018 olympic games and you really fought for equity and i just wanted to ask you and to clear up for the folks at home what is the difference between equality and equity well i think what we were what we were asking for was to be treated the same as as the men's team and the boys team and mm-hmm. so uh, we weren't necessarily asking for equal pay compared to the men's team because the men's players, um, their obligation to USA Hockey is far less than what the women's team's um, women's team is. So we were we were asking for a livable wage and then equitable support, so comparable support um, to what to what the men were getting. So if they were getting fifty dollars a day per diem, we should not be getting fifty. Dollars a day, so we should be getting equal support as far as how our team travels. The staff that the staff that supports our team should be equal. Um, and then, and then in other scenarios where you can't just compare, sometimes the comparisons aren't apples to apples. So making sure that um, there's there's a similar budget to create opportunities for girls programs. So. Uh, USA Hockey has a has the boys U17 and U18 teams that have a 4.2 million dollar budget, and there's no comparable girls program that gets that type of support. So, um, really creating more equal opportunity, um, and I think what also needs to be clarified so that people understand is uh, USA Hockey or other NGBs that support Olympic sports. Um, they have to abide by the Ted Stevens Sports Sports Act, and so they have to serve men, women, girls, boys, underserved communities uh, equally. Um, and that that's something that's important to note. It's not they're not a professional league. They're not uh, the NHL, which is a for-profit business. Um, 
And so when we're talking about the national team um, and that USA Hockey is required um, to to support men and women, boys and girls equally. Great points all, definitely, Jocelyn. Uh, Jocelyn Lamoureux is with us tonight on the program. Your Olympic experiences now, 2010, 2014, 2018, not counting winning the gold medal, which was your favorite city to visit? Well, Vancouver is pretty amazing. Um, you know, it's Canada, and it a lot of times feels like like similar to the U.S. Uh, Sochi was a very interesting experience because um, it it was kind of you didn't really get a feel for the Russian culture. It was pretty much um, the Olympic Park, and there wasn't like you couldn't even walk to like a coffee shop or like a gas station or anything like that. Where we were kind of plopped in the middle of nowhere with Olympic venues. Um, so that was that was just a very, um, I don't even know if, I don't even know what to call it. It was kind of a, a strange atmosphere, I guess. <laughs> and then Pyeongchang, we were in, we weren't up in the mountains, so it was more of a smaller town, but um, it was a cool little beach area to walk around. So Pyeongchang was the most unique for sure um, and most, like I would say, culturally we got to experience a little bit more than what we did in Russia. Let's talk about the 2018 uh, Olympics, the uh, the championship game. You scored the game-winning goal in the shootout. Now, this is after Monique ties the game with a goal of her own. Very, very special. Give us a little insight into how how that felt uh, th- that evening. I mean, obviously, it's a dream come true to have a moment like that, and you you dream about having moments like that when you're playing street hockey or pond hockey growing up. And um, when I got tapped on the shoulder that I was going to be the sixth shooter, I was pretty pumped. Um, and then to to go out and execute the way I did, um, it's pretty special to know that you know you've made a, a direct impact on the outcome of the game and. Um, to, to have won two silver medals in 10 and 14, um, and especially the way we lost in 2014 to come back and win a gold medal um, is just really special. And to share it with teammates that we've been playing for for over 10 years uh, is a pretty amazing moment. And to have that, that moment to celebrate with your team and your parents are up in the stands is, is obviously something that, that we'll never forget and uh, I would say is, uh, pretty much the the best of the the best of what sports can offer. That is true. That is true. What what a special time that must have been. Now the new book, mm-hmm. Dare to Make History: Chasing a Dream and Fighting for Equity. It's from Radius, folks. You can look that up on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. What made you decide to write this book, Jocelyn? And who would you consider the target audience for the book? Well, we were, we were really encouraged by a couple friends that, that we have a unique story being twins and competing, competing on the Olympic stage together. And, and I think what got my sister and I over the hump, because we really don't think we're all that interesting, to be honest, um, uh, was, was our, was being able to share our team story and what our team had gone through, through the threatened boycott and what, what that took as a team and a program and, the type of change that that has created with, with USA Hockey and for women's hockey, not just in the U.S., but around the world. Um, we felt like 
that was an important story to tell. Um, and so that's really what got us over the hump of being confident to write the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, obviously, we, we think hockey fans will really enjoy the book, but we really feel like it, it's for everyone, for kids who want to accomplish something great, not just in sports, but in life and parents um, and kind of how we've we've grown up in our family and the lessons we've taken from sports and how that applies to basically everything you do in life and and how we're going to apply that um and everything we we do after our hockey careers is 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 probably more important than what we'll ever do um or what we had ever done playing hockey and so we really feel like it's kind of uh, a book for everyone it's not not a hockey book it's not just a, a book for athletes we really feel like everyone can take um take some lessons out of our book it's a great story uh and a great message now while you guys were on top of the sport you went to start a professional women's league now let's talk about that a little bit Yep, so we touch on it on our, on our book. So right now the, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association or the PWHPA supports the top 120 players in North America right now. So, so it's not a league, it's a players association. It, it's right. built by the players for the players and the goal is to create one professional viable league in North America that has the best players in the world playing with and against each other every single year. Right now, we don't feel like the current options to play professional hockey are what they need to be, and they're not supported in a fashion that we believe is is professional. And so uh, we uh, have had some exciting games these past couple weekends. The women played at MSG for the first time uh, women's hockey has ever played at, at the Garden. And uh, this this weekend, just yesterday, they played at the United Center in Chicago. And there's a couple more um, announcements coming up with with partnerships with other NHL franchises. And so even during COVID, we've been able to, to generate a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement around women's hockey. And uh, the, so the PWHPA, we believe, is, is the next driving force to creating one professional league, which is what the, which is what women's hockey needs. It's to take the next step. Uh, fans can see the best players in the world basically for two weeks, once every four years during the Olympics, and then, and then the players pretty much are are unseen basically. Um, for for three and a half years, and so we really feel like for women's hockey to take that next step in growth and uh, opportunities, you have to have that professional league. That's a great venture for sure. We're going to keep our eye on that. Now, both of you ladies uh, have families. You have children. Uh, tell tell us about your family. Uh, well, my sister Monique actually just had a baby boy on Wednesday. Outstanding. Um, she has two baby boys, and my husband and I have we have one uh, son. He's two years old, and um, obviously, having kids pretty much changes your perspective on life entirely. And uh, it's been obviously been a blessing. Um, and shortly after the Olympics in 2018, we're all fortunate we we're pregnant six weeks apart and so we had our boys six weeks apart so that's been 
uh, a whole new dynamic, obviously, in life, but it's it's been something fun to do together, and um, we're we're hoping that they enjoy the game as much as we do. Um, I think I think we have a lefty. My husband and I have a lefty on our hands, so I might need to go get some sticks because I'm a righty. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we might need to go get some sticks uh, and cut some lefty sticks down for him. Now, what about training after you have a child? Well, it was, so my sister and I came back after, um, having kids and we played on the national team last year and all mm-hmm. the camps and that, that USA hockey had. And, uh, it's a pretty, uh, it, it's like coming back from an injury basically. And, um, I think the, the most difficult part, uh, wasn't necessarily getting into shape, but being able to skate that the way, the skate the way we used to. Um, I would say it took almost, nine nine to ten months to really feel like we got our stride back um just with how skating feels on your hips and groins that it really took um quite a while longer than we thought i think um to really feel like we could get our our step back and get our skating back to where we really wanted it to be and needed it to be to compete at a high level but uh yeah i would say it's it's comparable to coming back from like a major hip or knee surgery i would say um but it was it was fun and um to be able to bring our boys to a couple camps and games was um was fun just to have all all our teammates kind of playing auntie with them uh in between in between (laughs) ice sessions and meetings and stuff yeah must be great now jocelyn lamoureux is with us tonight we're fortunate enough to have her with us on the program. Now, another aspect of the book, Jocelyn, is that you believe in advancing the interests of the disadvantaged communities out there. Yeah, so my sister and I started the Monique and Jocelyn Lamer Foundation, and it's geared towards helping underprivileged youth in, in the academic and extracurricular space. And so, um, you know, we believe that, that kids, um at a very basic human level need their they they need basic needs met to be able to reach their full potential in school in sports and in life and so our um foundation is geared towards towards meeting basic needs so for example our first donation was was to the school lunch program in our hometown and in, in our hometown every every child that received um, funding from the free or reduced lunch program. They received a meal, but it wasn't necessarily a hot meal. They would get a cold sandwich, and so we funded that program to make sure every child was getting a hot lunch every single day. Um, and we just think from a basic level, um, kids kids shouldn't have to worry about that, and if, the, if those needs are met from like a just simply from like a, a lunch standpoint, um, they can focus on their school and they don't have to be embarrassed or have that stigma, um, you know, tied to them. And so that was that was our first uh, donation. And then when COVID hit, we donated to make sh- donated to families who needed the appropriate internet access so their kids could do virtual learning. Um, in in the world of COVID and being on Zoom calls and all that. Um, I think everyone has has realized the importance of internet connectivity, and so making sure that kids have the opportunity to participate in class so that they can keep their grades up it was another important donation that we made. 
Now, you and your sister really role models for girls, not only in sports, but education and also in the workplace. Yeah, we. Tr- I mean, we try to be. Um, I think our our story resonates beyond just playing hockey and being a, a voice and advocate for positive change um, and just, you know, standing up for yourself. I think um, what our team went through in 2017 were, was an important lesson for us as individuals, as a team, and I think it can be an example for, for many people in the working world. And, um, I mean, that's, that's the biggest, uh, I think compliment is when someone tells us, uh, you know, they've learned learned a lot about what they can take back to to their lives and what they can do to to make changes in their life is I think is the most rewarding. Or to see kids look up to us and and not just want to be great hockey players, but want to be good people and give back. I mean, that's that's the big picture. We think is it's the most important part of of life's journey. Right. Again, folks, this is not really a hockey book it's not just a girl's book it's about the importance of fighting for equity gender equity and uh it's a tremendous message what are you up to these days jocelyn uh well my sister and i just announced that we officially retired from competitive hockey about a month ago um, and then our book came out two weeks ago, so we had our retirement. Our book officially came out, and so we're pretty busy um, with with different things surrounding our book. And we have a girls' camp that we run every summer, um, and all of the all the profits from our camp go goes back into our foundation. And my sister just had a baby, so she's busy um, with with their new baby and. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of things on our plate. Um, I think we're busier now than we were when we were playing as yeah. far as day to day stuff goes. Um, but yeah, we're just, uh, figuring out what's, what's next in our lives and enjoying, uh, the time with family that we're having right now. Excellent. Yeah. Keep moving. That's, that's the key, Jocelyn. Jocelyn Lamoureux Davidson, <laughs> thank you for taking time out of your Sunday evening to spend some of it with us uh, up here in New York. The book, again, written with her sister Monique. It's titled, Dare to Make History, Chasing a Dream and Fighting for Equity. We thank you again, Jocelyn. Thanks for having me. You stay well. That's Jocelyn Lamoureux-Davidson, ladies and gentlemen. Up next on Sports Talk New York, we'll talk to another Olympic champion, former Ranger and Miracle on Ice player Dave Silk. So stay with us, folks. You're listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. 
Century Foot Care, official podiatrist of the New York Lizards, has been delivering state-of-the-art foot care with good old-fashioned caring to Long Island residents for over 30 years. Specialists in sports medicine and foot in or capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your GusBuster today. All right, we're back. We're back with Sports Talk New York here. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, Great time back to the, the show. Spring training is in full swing. I've been watching the Mets for Port St. Lucie. All right, we're back. We're back with Sports Talk New York here on WGBB from beautiful downtown Merrick, Long Island. Great time of year because spring training is in full swing. I've been watching the Mets from Port St. Lucie. Uh, hoping that's a harbinger of things to come. The days of green grass and high blue skies in our future. Also, the Islanders uh, played today at the same time, so I was flipping back and forth. And uh it's a good the time Winnipeg for sports, Jets, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see some York fans Rangers. in the seats coming up he real also, soon. But let's know, keep the sports the memories rolling right along here. Our next guest, his professional career, he spanned 13 years and included NHL 249 and regular season Mike games Bilberry. with the Bruins, We're not the Winnipeg Jets, the Red Wings, uh, and the New York Rangers. <laughs> but let's he was also, as we know, Dave a member so. of the 1980 U.S. men's hockey team that won the gold Great medal in Lake Placid. I appreciate you he is the, the cousin now, of former NHL and like Boston Bruins player Mike Milbury. We're not going to hold that against him Pavlis, uh, as an Islander fan. Let's warmly welcome in tonight Dave Silk. Dave, good evening. Good evening. Great to have very you with us, Dave. I appreciate and, uh, you taking the time. Very, now, very sorry first and foremost, and, uh, I'd just like to take a second to express uh, condolences well, thank you. for the yeah, loss of Mark the, uh, Pavlich, one, one of your uh, great teammates. I know I had Barry uh, Beck on the program a while back, a, and uh, he'd been keeping close tabs on Pav during his illness, and we're all very, very sorry to hear the news, and we hope everyone's well. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, Dave. Now, as a kid, Dave, who were your favorite teams and players? To a kid who was kind and gentle and harmless and loved universally. We have mixed emotions. It's a bitter pill to swallow. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, Dave. Now, as a kid, Dave, who were your favorite teams and players? You know, I grew up watching the Bruins. I, I so it was always Orin Esposito, and, uh, and, and you know that whole, that whole group. <laughs> uh, uh, we have mixed mixed emotions. Yeah. I'll be happy to hear that uh, watch, he, wasn't, he was never one of my favorite you know, players. More and more hockey. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I started to recognize. But, uh, uh, you know, I grew up watching the Bruins. How many and, great players uh, there were out so there. So it was always Orin Esposito, and whether it was you know that whole that whole group, or Detroit, as I get older, or Toronto, or Chicago. You know, all the, all you know, the more and more hockey, I think, like, uh, you, you know, know I started to recognize Chicago, um, um, just you know, how, how many great players there were out there outside of Boston. But every team so, had, had, you know, whether it was in um, in New York so, you know, and, I, I think or Detroit or, or Toronto or 
Chicago, you know, all the, all the guys and, that I grew up watching, like, and, uh, stays with you know, Holland McKean in Chicago, you know, even Daryl Sittler in Toronto. But every team had classic guys. I remember the battles. I was a Ranger fan then before the Islanders came around. But like most kids growing up in the Boston area, you become a Bruins fan early and that stays with you. They had some great players. In fact, when we were kids, Dave, it was really uh, a time uh, for a lot of classic guys. I, I remember and, uh, the battles. I was a Ranger the fan the back and, uh, then before the Islanders really came around. Time and uh, some tremendous battles with the Boston and, uh, Bruins with uh, right, Johnny Busick, you know, like, uh, like you said, what's, what's Espo, really Johnny Pye McKenzie. And on the Rangers' side, you had the gag line with Rattel Hatfield and Gilbert and Emil Francis behind the bench. And really a classic time for hockey when we were younger. Really and, uh, you're, you're so right, Bill. You know the uh, what's what's really interesting <laughs> is it wasn't just but, uh, it wasn't so much was really who you loved and who you idolized, but it was also who you hated. And and you know watching the watching Boston New York play, we never really felt the hatred the way you did against the old Philadelphia Flyers. It's funny how people but what was really interesting was you know one of the, uh, one of the guys that was a villain to the Boston fans for so long was Brad now, Park. You were from and Boston then he comes University, to Boston and, right. and uh, you know, everyone saw just how amazing and, uh, he was. It's funny how, how people Jack immediately said, well, maybe he wasn't such a bad guy after all. Yeah, right, exactly. Just a wonderful time to watch the game. Now, you were from Boston University, Dave. You were teammates and, of course, uh, and, lifelong and I, friends uh, with uh, Mike Ruzioni, Jim Craig, um, Jack O'Callaghan. You know, Talk a little bit about the rivalry, were, if, if that's of, the right uh, word to use, uh, between the Boston University guys and Herb's guys from the University of Minnesota. Didn't like the Minnesota well, it, guys. Well, it was real, and, and, like and I, uh, I'll, I'll say and, this about uh, Pav. And part uh, of it had to do with... Just uh, in passing, you know, Pav... Was one of the there were there were a lot of uh, in the, in the um, college uh, kind of championship preconceived notions about each other. So the Boston um, guys the first didn't like the Minnesota guys, and the Minnesota and guys so didn't like the Boston no guys. Loss and uh, and bad. part of it had to do with the uh, with uh, uh, fight. In he wasn't from 1976 he was from in, the, in the college and, uh, uh, national championship game, and then there was and another fight so he was kind of, um, he in was the like first you know? Olympic trials, uh, and so there was, was, was no love lost between us. And everyone just said to him immediately when know, we all was, first uh, met Pavlich, when the team was picked. Who loved to hunt and he wasn't from. And, he was from Minnesota uh, Duluth, loved his and uh, not the University of Minnesota. And, and so and he was. He was like Switzerland, you know. He was. He was <laughs> in. But uh, he was. He was neutral. And and everyone just took to him immediately. You know, he was. Uh, he was a quiet kid who who loved to hunt and fish and and uh, and loved his music, loved to play the guitar and, and loved Neil Young and, and everyone just bonded to Pav. But I will say that it took longer for the Boston guys and the Minnesota guys to warm up to Interesting and great story about Pav. He will be missed now. We're speaking to Dave Silk tonight. 
Sports Talk New York. How did you feel when, when he handed Herb out that test Herb holds tape. tryouts in Colorado Springs <laughs> in the summer of 79. His selection process includes the 300 question psychological test that would give him insight on how guys would react under stress. How did you feel when when he handed out that test, Dave? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, okay, well, I, I, better, uh, I better look for a pro contract. And hand it back. They're going to give me a 300 question <laughs> psychological test. So I'm in deep, I, I deep trouble. Happy, I, I uh, to, uh, but they, they actually said to me uh, on the side, uh, thinking, Silky, just uh, what, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, just, what are they uh, looking for? Uh, yeah. Are they looking for deep Fill in some answers and and hand it back I in. Know. I, I, I still We're not going to take it too seriously. I, think it was probably so I, I was lucky. I, I was able to. Uh, I was able to dodge you know, that bullet but six uh, times. I do remember uh, thinking, my goodness, you know what? I'll never know. Yeah, what are they yeah. looking for? Exactly. Are they looking now, for deep thinkers uh, or good hockey players? The game against Norway, and, uh, a three-three tie. I don't know. I, I, uh, I still think it was think a trick. I, I think serious, it was probably uh, playing fifty questions, same fifty questions, and it's brought out in the movie. What you guys call uh, Herbies, running Herbies. I'll, I'll never know. Tell us about yeah. that night. Exactly. Now, you know what? Uh, the game against Norway, the three-three uh, the cool tie. Uh, Herb didn't think you guys were serious uh, playing in that, that particular game, they, uh, and it's brought out in the movie what you guys called and, uh, Herbies, and running and Herbies. Tell us about that night. At first, the you know what? Though, it was actually we one, on of the, uh, one of the cool things about the movie was they got or, that or, scene you know, we pretty much a, a drill to a key. I mean, that actually happened. Uh, they, uh, that we were getting he wouldn't let us off the ice. He made us and, line up. And then they and, just uh, and they left skated us and skated us. And I remember at first the crowd thought that we were putting on some sort of skating exhibition or, or, you know, we were showing them a, a, a drill and, and then they realized that, uh, that, point, that we were getting punished and they started to boo and, and then they just got bored and they left the whole building and finally the, the wing manager turned the lights on us back and we skated in the dark. And, uh, and about halfway through one of the guys on our team slammed a stick on the boards and I think we would have been done, uh, at that point, and we had guys on our team slam the stick, and, and Herbie thought that that was uh, clearly insubordinate, uh, and motivation. Uh, so he brought us back and skated us for about 20 and, minutes uh, more after that. Uh, but but it, was, it was a brutal night. He it was, was brutal, and, and, and we had a game the next night, and... As you said, uh, depicted very well. In and we actually movie, won the game uh, the next night, like 7 nothing or something. Now, the game against so, the Soviets you know, at Madison uh, motivation was a very volatile was, at least time. In his mind. Jimmy Carter and, uh, talking about boycotting uh, But it, it was a brutal night. He was, he was sending uh, a message. It was the same day. Secretary of State Cyrus Vance speaks out As you said, depicted very well in, in the you movie guys uh, Miracle. Now, the game against the Soviets at Madison Square Garden, it was a very volatile time. Jimmy guys. Carter what talking about, about boycotting game, the Moscow games. Well, I, I, uh, think, I think it was the same yeah, day Secretary in, of State Cyrus Vance it, speaks out it, it against the Soviets. And, uh, you guys end up losing 10-3, to to and Tikhanov, the coach, uh, comes out and says they, that they underestimated you guys. What about that game, Dave? Too badly. They just 
Well, I, I think, and, uh, you know, in and looking back at it, we had had some it, it was a 10 to 3 game, and, the, uh, and it could have been 20 to 3. You know, I, I think that after a while, it's they, uh, over, but this was, they, this time, they, this was against the big guns. Rather than just run up the score and, and, too badly, they just um, played keep away, you know, and, all of, uh, all of those and guys, and I think and that we had had some success against we stood around some of watching the, them as much as anything. some of the, and, the B teams uh, yeah, we were excited to play against the Soviets them, but, had sent over, um, but this was in this time this was against the big probably guns. the best thing that could have happened to us. And, um, and the worst thing you know, that could have happened to them. All of those guys, that, and, and you know, they, I, I, I think, think that they I think just assumed we that stood around watching them as much as anything. And we were excited to play against them, but it really... In hindsight, I think it was probably the best thing that could have happened just to us, and the worst thing that could have happened to them. Meaning that, you know, they, I think that they just assumed that when they played us again, it was going to be another route, and, and it really, and from my perspective, I think it really made us realize just how far we had to go, and, you know, how good a team could really be, and, and it showed the difference between their talent level and our talent level, which was, quite simply money, huge. They get paid a bunch of dough. But, you know, to this day, I still think, what was in it for the Soviets? And I've asked guys on the 80 team, why would they bother coming to play us a week before the Olympics? And... You know, showing uh, their hands, so to uh, speak, and and the answer was back, quite you know, simply money. Didn't do them they got paid a, a bunch of dough um, to play at Madison Square later. Garden, right? And exactly. uh, now, and it was just a, a tune-up for them. Uh, it was just a, a warm-up game uh, and nothing more. And, and the movie they were able to, well. to pocket money, which I they needed. And but looking back, you know, it certainly didn't do them any favors. Two weeks later. Now right. he was exactly. He was now you guys, Herb's speech, uh, another be here. Uh, you were meant to be aspect here. of the movie depicted very well. Russell says this I compare it to James Earl Jones' uh, soliloquy "Field of Dreams." Uh, as far as classic you know, sports movie uh, speeches, uh, we were, now he was he was, he was telling you guys basically. You were born to be here. You were meant to be here. I love when Kurt Russell says, this moment is yours. Their time is over. What did you guys think of Herb's speech that night? You know, we were... Herb was going to come was, and Herb up had and uh, over the Herb outside was, of the place. was just the way Herb worked. ahead of his time in, in so he many ways. And, and and one of the great know, things if, about if Herb was kind of like before, a kind of like a great pitcher. Going to be able to you know, if you were expecting a fastball inside. He'd put us through um, a bag. Herb was going to so come with a changeup. just never knew what and, was going uh, over Herb. the outside of the plate. And That's just the way Herb worked. He always had I'll you. I'll never forget him coming in. He always kept you guessing. And... You know, if, it was if we had a far, real good game the far, night before, we might come to the rink and think we're going to be able to take it easy. With us. And, and, and you know, he, he'd he put us through us a bag skate. And so right to he, the level he just never knew what was coming you know, from her. We, could have, we, were, and, we were ready to go through. And you know, I'll never forget him coming in. Else. And, yeah. and, and it, it was perfect. by far, was perfectly by done, far, as was the most positive he had ever been with us. And, day later you know, in, he, he pumped uh, us up Finland. and got and, us right to the, the level where, but, you know, uh, we 
because we were, we were ready to go through not just you know, walls and, how and everything else, and, 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 and it was perfect. And it was just perfectly done, and uh, as was, was master. as really were master his comments to us two day, a day later now, in uh, against Finland, and, and they were decidedly different. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, he just always knew not just what to say, but how to say it, when to say it, and just how much to say. And he was a master. He was really a master at it. What a great coach, definitely. Now, the first period ends 2-2. Obviously, Tikhanov's got a problem because what did you call it the turning point of the game? He later called it the biggest it, it mistake was, of his career. It, it was, uh, later, Mark Johnson it was played with uh, uh, Fatisov you know, on an NHL team. With, uh, I forget which one it was. You know, and we Fatisov responded and we by saying, Coach Crazy. Because, <laughs> now, you know, what did you guys think when he pulled Tradia? Uh, and not just, and it, it wasn't it was, just how good everyone it, it was, Krejcik was. It was his presence. It was as if it, it we was got, we got hit. All with, you saw uh, was, was you know, that we were turbocharged as soon as we went out and saw Michigan and that. And when they put Michigan in, you know, they had just pulled their ace. And, uh, yeah. and not stature. just, and, and it wasn't just how good uh, everyone knew Trachak like was. It was his presence in goal. And, you know, uh, you just... So it really it, it was as if energy and, all you and, saw was, and was said, you know that what, number 20 jersey uh, in, in goal. And when they put uh, Michigan in, Michigan you know, was, was more diminutive right, and you know, smaller in stature and, and, over and, over again. Uh, right, and it just seemed right, like all of a sudden you could see red net you know, behind them. And so it really gave us energy and said, you know what, these Soviets, maybe they're... You know, maybe they're just ridiculous. They're ripe, and, uh, which is one of the things that Herbie kept saying over and over again was, they're ripe, Dave they're ripe, tonight they're, on the program. they're ready. You know, now there's is, a power play. This is, if there's You're ever a time that someone's going to take them down, it's now. You get and, knocked uh, down to the ice, and the puck that, goes to Mark that Johnson, kind of tactical move that, that we thought was, was ridiculous. And uh, uh, ties the game at three. Just, Remember you know, that play? Just straightened his point. Sure. I'm speaking yeah, to Dave Silk tonight on I, the program. I, I came over the now there's a power and, play. And the You're heading into and, the Soviet uh, zone. You get knocked down to the uh, ice. The puck goes to Mark Johnson, to, who fires off a shot that beats Michigan and uh, ties the game at three. Remember that play? Sure. Yeah. I came over the line and cut to the middle, and I think it was Kazatonov that defended me. And yeah, I actually it, it tried to. I was trying a to assist for me. Pass the puck to uh, uh, Rob McClanahan, uh, who had circled in behind me and was down was. on now, the left side of me. And, later, and but as I got upended, uh, the puck just to squirted the to Michael Johnson, Luzioni, and uh, and he basically just one timed uh, it. So it was, slot, you know, it, it was absolutely and, uh, a phantom assist for me. What feelings going through the team at that A stroke of good fortune. Well, I'll tell you, there were ten minutes left. A couple and, of shifts uh, later, uh, and, uh, Pav passes and, to you know, to the captain, Mike Ruzioni. He was left undefended uh, it, it was, in the high slot, I think he was, and uh, four to three um, lead. What feelings going through the team at that point? Well, I'll tell you, there were ten minutes left, and, and, uh, uh, 
and, and Ruzioni. But you know that play was just it was coming a on the ice, play. and one of the reasons why, why it was it was a turnover by one of the Soviets that passed play, cause. Change of shift, um, and, but that was supposed uh, to be an outlet you know, pass the from one of the Soviet players, in and, and because they had just changed lines, Ruzioni. Had, was just coming on the ice, and, and that's why he was left on guard at the way he was in the high period, slot. So and it was a broken play, change of shift, clock, and, uh, and you know the world uh, knows what happens next. It goes in and, and, and down to. But then we have ten minutes left, and whatever. I think to a man, I just remember every guy will say the same thing, and that is the same thing. When you're it was when like you're playing in the third moved. period and, <laughs> and you're halfway through, you're you always standing at the clock after your shift. And the Soviets were and, and, you know, you expect it dangerous to tick from yeah. Yeah, 10 down to, to 8 or to 6 so, or know, whatever. And, and I just remember, and, and, and the other guys we're playing say the same thing, which was, it was like the clock never moved. You know, we'd go through three shifts and there'd still be nine minutes left. And the Soviets were so darn dangerous that, yeah. you know, we and all knew they score goals in bunches, clock so, as much as we can. Yeah, we're just, we're just trying to run the clock, the and, and at, some, at, at that and, point, uh, we're playing against the scoreboard more than we're playing against the, uh, the Soviets, and, and, and uh, oh boy, this um, is really so, you know, we're just and, trying to, uh, to dump it uh, out of our zone, you know, and, somehow and we were able get to, it into uh, their zone, we were able and just eat eat the clock as much as we can, and, you know, but the damn thing isn't moving. One of the and, uh, looking back now, <laughs> and that is finally it gets to me about five minutes and we're thinking, oh boy, this is really crunch time. And uh, and to uh, this day, you know, I, somehow I we were able to uh, we were able to and uh, to spend the time. And you know, one of the at Bowling Green, one of the looking back now, one of the things that is amazing to me is just how much ice time Kenny Morrow got in those last ten minutes. Last ten minutes, and and to this day, I don't think I've ever seen Kenny Morrow get beat. Not and, only the, uh, you know, whether Olympic it was with the Islanders or, was, uh, you know, at Bowling Islanders Green now. University the or, or the year with the Olympic team, I don't think I ever saw Kenny get beaten. And, and, and those last and 10 he, minutes, he was an absolute you block. Were on the ice you know, we, in the we appreciate seconds. Kenny here on Long Island. Now, Dave, uh, not only his Olympic time, but he was a tremendous player for the Islanders. Now, the Soviets, as we said, in those final minutes, they attacked. And they attacked ferociously. Right? I mean, uh, it, you were on the ice yeah, in the was, closing was, seconds. Uh, now, Tikhanov does another amazing thing. He doesn't pull his goalie because they've they never done that better. before. Yeah. So he uh, leaves He leaves uh, exactly Michigan right. in and uh, they, no they extra skater. Right. Unbelievable. Amazing. Right? Yeah, yeah, just amazing. Yeah, uh, unbelievable, yeah. yeah I we mean, all know, it was, it we all was, know uh, the result of the um, game. We know the great call by Al Michaels. It was amazing looking, we know looking back at it, thinking, why didn't they pull the goaltender? That we and, won the gold medal And I think you're exactly night, right. Because they had never true. been by, they, had they never had to pull the goaltender. Right. Now, Amazing. Another yeah, great, just yeah, amazing. Crazy, uh, another crazy. Now we all know, of, we all know uh, the, the result of the game. We know the great call by Al Michaels. We know he, what uh, happened that night. But a lot of people think if you lose that game, we won the gold medal take that night, so but that so is great, not true. Right? We still now, had to get through and then Finland. He repeats it. Now, how did that go over? Another great room? speech, uh, another oh, Brooksian moment of, of uh, and, well, just wonderful enlightenment. He tells you guys that if you lose the game, 
You're going to take it to your so-and-so graves, right? Now, and then he repeats it. How did that go over in the locker room? Trivia question. We all looked at him, and there's a couple of other pieces with the gold medal. But you're right. I remember my daughter telling me she was going to school at St. Lawrence, and they were playing Trivial Pursuit one night. And the trivia question was, who did the 1980 team <laughs> nice beat try. to win the gold uh, medal but yeah, you're right. you uh, in Lake Placid? Another, mm-hmm. uh, and game. my daughter and you know, good. They raises her hand good. or whatever, yeah. yells uh, out, uh, and, and the Russians. And a nemesis mm. of ours <laughs> and, and past <laughs> Well, no, not well, exactly, so, Sarah. You know, we certainly you know, didn't look past <laughs> them. But, but <laughs> nice her, try. But, hers, uh, uh, but yeah, you're right. We had another game. And the Finns were good. They were very good. And, uh, and and had and been a nemesis he did of ours and, and, and he come in and, and Olympic teams as well. So and, you know, we certainly didn't look you know, past see who them, was going to start. But and, Herb, but Herb, so you could uh, expect him to come in. Herb, could you watch that, by Herb and would always come in. So now there's about just a minute before, before the ice was, was finished the ice after warm up. No Herb, and, and, and he did it. It was clockwork. You know, what's he and doing? he'd come and, in uh, and, and he'd say his piece, and, and finally and, the off-ice official you know, say who's going to start, and, and time. Let's so go. you could expect him to come Herb. in. You could set finally, your watch by it. And so now there's about a minute left before we're ready to go out on the ice for the final game. No Herb, and everyone thinking, tells us what's he doing, and. Um, and we lose finally, the, the off-ice officials our, come and say, "Guys, in graves, right. it's time. Uh, Let's go." Mm-hmm. And we all know her. Finally, well, we hear her about in the hallway telling the off-ice officials to get out of the room and yelling. And all of a sudden, her comes in and 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 tells us just as you said, "We lose this one, and we're going to take it to our our leaping graves." And we all looked at each other and said, "Well, now that you sign a contract, you spent three years as a ranger." Tell us about your time. And the rest, as they say, is history, Dave. That's for sure. Now, you get drafted 59th overall by the Rangers. You sign a contract with them a few days after the gold medal game. You spent three years as a Ranger. Tell us about your time in New York. The best part about it were the I loved every bit of it. Every bit of it. From my first day in the locker room. The people that I got to know and... You know, and, you know, and it wasn't all, it wasn't all, there was another guy that all roses, broke but, in at the same time. But I wouldn't take a day of the back and, yeah. and, and the best part about it were the, were the guys that, couple years and, uh, the guys in the room, um, the, the players and, and, we're and the people that I got to know and, uh, you know, whether so it was Beck or, or Duguay or, there was another guy that, that, Broke in at the I same time with me, named Tom Laidlaw, and Laidlaw and I lived and, together uh, our first couple of years in uh, New York City, um, and uh, we're friendly to this day. And so to me, it was absolutely more than I could have ever dreamed for. You know, it was all I ever wanted to do was to play in the NHL, and and there I was in New York City, and and. Uh, but 
we well, have and it was uh, it was the, the thrill of a lifetime. There was, and then, a, there was an even greater uh, one. And then I was traded to Boston and, and got to play there with uh, with guys that I had grown New up Dale watching and and, uh, and you know, emulated and idolized, and that was terrific. And, and, so it, and, uh, I, I was you know, uh, I was very blessed. Past, but what a rivalry, but we had some great teams in New York. The problem was there was a there was an even greater one today, forty miles away out on Long Island in Uniondale that. Uh, that was guys. just a little bigger, a little more skilled, more a, a little stronger, and uh, Gee, you know, and I, I don't you know, know, we just didn't have enough so to get past them. What a rivalry! What a rivalry, Dave. That's for sure. Now, I was speaking sort of to Katie Million uh, today, as you know, and, and she mentioned uh, uh, a monument so they're, they're for the 1980 a, guys. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about a that, Dave. Gee, you know, I don't know to get it done, and apparently they're they're looking to build a some sort of monument up at Lake Placid outside the arena, and essentially it's. Um, so they're, they're going through a, uh, a fundraising campaign to try and, uh, and raise money to, to get it done. And, and we've seen some, um, some sketch work and, and, uh, some drafts of what it would look like. And, and essentially it's, it's the 20 of us up on the podium, uh, after the, during the gold medal ceremony. And, uh, it's more, and, it's, it's you know, I mean, the top gosh, well, what can you the, say other than uh, the goodwill that we've been, and, you know, to, uh, it, to be you a know part what, of? It, it's and, just so you know, much and then more than, than have we ever a, a thought statue being erected. We would, just, you know, how you know, it would, it, it, it thought what the outcome would be. It, it's, it's, well, it's very it's well more, deserved, It's Dave just over the top, the amount of goodwill that we've been fortunate to be a part of and then to and uh, uh, have all the talk best about a, a, a statue well, being erected. Well, thank you so much. Just, Thanks for having me on. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, and, uh, sometimes uh, it's hard to believe. Well, it's very well deserved, very Dave Silk. Uh, it's been a real thank pleasure you. having Dave you with Silk, us tonight. Please. Thanks well, for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend some of it with I'd us like out here on Jocelyn Long Island. And, and uh, all the best to you, Dave. My engineer, Brian Graves. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. And, and, and he's up uh, next, so please uh, stay wish all you guys out See you next on March 21st. Till then, stay, uh, stay safe. healthy. Same well, to you. That's Dave Silk, you Well, that'll do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to thank my guests, Jocelyn Lamoureux and Dave Silk. My engineer, Brian Graves, and, of course, you guys for joining us. Andy's up next, so please stay put. See you next on March 21st. Till then, be safe, be well, and this is Bill Donahue wishing you a good evening. necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.